This is the Place for a Purpose podcast. We want to help you live out what Jesus said was the most important thing you could do with your life. Love God and love your neighbor, including your next door neighbors. So we're going to keep neighboring on your mind by encouraging you with practical ways to connect with those next door so you can live knowing you've been placed for a purpose because your address is not an accident and neither is your neighbor's. Hi, everybody. This is the Placed for a Purpose podcast. We are your hosts, Elizabeth and Chris McKinney. And sweetie, I have a question for you. Okay. If you had to say one concept, something from the Bible— and you have the whole Bible to choose from, that has helped sustain you for the last, what, 10, 12 years of neighboring, what would you pick? What would you say? I'm going to have to go with the parable of the mustard seed. Hmm, wrong answer. (laughs) Just kidding. Why would you say the parable of the mustard seed? Oh, okay, yeah. So once you see it, it's like you see it everywhere, but Jesus uses a ton of agriculturally focused parables and metaphors when he talks about matters of the heart and spiritual realities, he talks in terms of soil, good soil, bad soil, weeds, seeds that were sown, some take root and others don't. And as I have been a part of this neighboring process, it's really felt a lot like the process of kind of like growing stuff. I don't know. Well, we are gardeners. <laughs> well, I'm a gardener. Wanna be gardeners. <laughs> what does our gardening typically look like? I mean, I take selfies of myself in April or May. In April or May. Yeah. With my kids. Yep. They hold up worms and props, shovels. And then how does it go from there? <laughs> it doesn't go that great. Yeah. I have grown a few things over time, but I'll be honest, the ongoing commitment of gardening is tough for me. It's tough. Yes. And so we get out there in April and May, right? And I like the starting. We- <laughs> And I I like the end, but I don't like the middle. Yeah, yeah. So you might say that we don't have a ton of experience with gardening and all of that stuff. We have minimal experience. Minimal experience, which is different from the people who would have been listening to Jesus tell this parable because they lived in more of an agrarian economy. Like their whole lives were wrapped up in farming and agriculture. Which you have some experience with. I do have a little bit of experience with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. My grandpa has a farm or had a farm that he built from the ground up with my two uncles. And my dad grew up on that farm as well. And during high school, I would go out and help with weed harvest for three weeks. My brother and I would go out there. And man, it was a ton of work, very, very long days, and we'd work well into the night. But it was also a lot of fun. Mm. It was really fun driving the grain carts and the combine, seeing all that wheat come in was so satisfying. And typically, so you'd pack a lunch and you would just kind of keep working right through lunch. But then for dinners, we would shut it down for an hour or so and move to a part of the field that had been cut. And we would come together and eat right there in the field. And my grandma, who had been back at the house with all the people that were helping her, would bring out all of this food and tables and chairs. And we would just have this feast. I mean, we would have fried chicken. Oh, and you had me at fried beef. chicken. And mashed potatoes and jello salads. No, you do not have me a jello salad. That's disgusting. <laughs> and we'd have pies. And I think even she would bring a cooler of ice and put like homemade ice cream sandwiches. I mean, we were talking about a feast and it was so fun. 
And my uncle, who was a little squirrely, might start a water fight and all the cousins would join in. And for those three weeks at every dinner, it was almost like this mini celebration of the harvest. And it was glorious. It sounds glorious. Oh, it was so fun. And so even though I have some experience with farming and we have a little experience (laughs) from the little bit of gardening that we've done, my experience is a little bit skewed. I kind of began to realize this because... I didn't put in all the hard work and the patience that it took to prepare the ground and plant the seed and fertilize. I didn't spend all the sleepless nights listening to the weather forecast, wondering if that storm that was moving through contained hail that would wipe out the entire crop for that year. Watching my grandpa and my uncles run the farm, it didn't take long to realize that the harvest was kind of the fun, (laughs) easy part. And that's the part I got to jump in on. I wasn't there for the really hard work of sowing and tilling and watering and weeding and worrying. So what you're saying is the harvest is fun, really fun, but it doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot that goes in behind the scenes. It doesn't just pop up and it's harvest feast time, but there's, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of ongoing commitment that went into that. And in spiritual terms... We're going to talk about this, that the harvest is kind of seeing God work, right? The fruit Mm -hmm. in our communities, in our own lives, in our neighbors' lives. And there's a lot of hard work that goes into seeing that harvest. Yeah. And I think what Jesus is getting at here with this parable is that we need to value all the small steps Mm -hmm. of that sowing process, of spiritually sowing in our neighborhoods. And I think Jesus knew that his original audience and us as well would need help embracing this sewing mindset. It's low and slow. It's a crockpot. It's not a microwave. And he is going to encourage us not just to have a harvest mindset, which is really great. It's fun to see God work, but to also embrace the sewing process that needs to take place. And that's kind of what the parable of the mustard seed is, is really focused on. That's really good. Okay, let me read the parable of the mustard seed, because for some listeners, this is super familiar. For others, maybe not so much. And either way, it's just good to hear it again in context so we know exactly what the Bible says. So it's in Matthew 13. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown— It is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So interesting that Jesus says it's the smallest of seeds because... It wasn't actually the smallest yeah, of seeds, but right? <laughs> they they understood what he was getting at, right? If you were to hold a mustard seed in your hand, it is super, super right. tiny, right. right? And at first glance, you would look at this seed and you're not thinking there's a ton of potential for growth. You're probably thinking that's a tiny seed yeah. and maybe a tiny plant might grow from it. I'm thinking of when we've grown cucumbers and lettuce and peppers and some of those things. And yes, we have grown some. It's been a little while. (laughs) But you think about the potential of growing something so exciting from such a small seed. You'd look, this is the smallest of seeds. And yet it grows into, or a tomato, and it's so exciting. And that's not even a tree. Like Jesus is talking about this growing into a tree. How could something so small 
grow into something so big. Yeah, it's that reminder that we need, right? It's almost, I think, I'm sure there's like children's books on this, right? That big things- Or there should be. Or there should be. Big things can grow from little seeds. And you just never know what could come given the right conditions and given enough time. I think what Jesus is telling us here is that the kingdom of God, his restorative presence here on earth in our neighborhoods can look a lot like a mustard seed at first. It looks small and humble, small kingdom actions, those small steps, saying hi, introducing yourself, waving to the untrained eye, they might seem insignificant and forgettable. Yeah, but for some of us, some of those small actions might not feel so small. (laughs) Right. Right? They don't always feel small. Like our friends, the Dixons, Andy and Lauren, are over in Western Europe, and I was talking to her recently, and we were talking about the phrase from our book, Place for a Purpose, it's never just a wave. And she was saying, Elizabeth, if you wave to people over here, they're going to think you're crazy. Well, what did she actually say? <laughs> she actually said, they're going to think you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's like those small actions to some of us, they don't feel small. Yeah. And this is why this passage has been so meaningful is because some of us need the encouragement to believe that those small steps are meaningful. So we need to jump in and do them. For others of us, those small steps seem so huge the risk is too much. Why even do them? This parable speaks to that too, because it's like, yeah, those are risky, but that could totally turn into something amazing. It's worth the risk. It's worth taking that step. So if I would have asked you, going back to whatever it was, 11, 12 years ago, before we threw our first fish fry, what do you think is going to come of this, this tiny little seed? What could you imagine? Boom, go. Uh, I would have some good fish tacos and hang out with some neighbors. Like, I wasn't thinking beyond that event. I wasn't thinking that this was the beginning of this amazing thing that's going to happen in our neighborhood. But what's crazy is Jesus knew what was going to come from that, even if we didn't. Like, we weren't trying to start something big. We were just having a little get-together. Jesus had already prepared those good works for us to walk in. And we stumbled, tripped, fell, found ourselves doing this event that eventually grew into this incredible community. We never, it's fair to say we never Never. could have imagined from that tiny mustard seed what God was going to do. Yeah, but it's those ordinary small things that we've done with our neighbors over time that have made the biggest difference. And we've seen fruit as our neighbors have seen us care about the common good. And we've done it together, right? We've met so many different neighbors that we would have never met otherwise. We have experienced the joy that comes from relational connection and from interacting with our neighbors and helping pull off events. And we've seen some families begin to follow Jesus. And it's taken time. Yeah. And it has taken work. It hasn't been a one and done. It's like we've had to come back and water and and weed. And I mean, we joke about how I say I don't like an ongoing commitment. (laughs) And then my mother-in-law is like, wait, you know you're married, right? (laughs) Like marriage is an ongoing commitment. I'm like, well, all the other ongoing commitments. I love being married. But ongoing commitment, like the coming back, that it's not just a meet the neighbors and then never talk to them again. And that can be kind of overwhelming for people. Yeah. I mean, Jesus addresses that in the parable that we read. He says that 
the man took a grain of mustard seed and sowed it in his field. And then he says, it is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown. And so what Jesus is saying there is that the kingdom of God doesn't grow overnight when it has grown, right? It takes time. It starts small, just like a plant, but it grows over time. And Jesus is encouraging us here to have a posture of patience and commitment to the growth process that must take place. He's calling us to show up in April and May and plant those seeds, but also come out in June and July and August, right? And when we feel overwhelmed by that, because like I said, my personality, it's kind of like, oh gosh, but that vision of what can come. Yes. That the hard work and patience and prayers, it pays off. Yeah. And you think about going to the grocery store and you just show up and if you want to buy a salad, you come home with your lettuce and tomatoes and all the stuff, but you don't think about how long it took for those vegetables to grow from a seed to a mature vegetable. And we don't often consider how much work and time it takes to prepare the ground in our neighborhoods. And we'll talk about this a little more next episode, but like the planting, the watering, fertilizing to eventually have a harvest where you see the fruit. Yeah. And I think this is where we need to do some extra work because I think those listening to Jesus on that day, when they heard that word sowed in a field, sowed, they understood how much work was packed into that little word. I mean, I think they could have even looked at their hands on that day and seen cuts and blisters from that act of sowing, removing rocks and roots and tilling up the hard ground, planting the seed, watering, fertilizing, weeding, agonizing over something that might prevent the harvest. Those things, we need to be engaged in those sowing activities in our neighborhood. So for you, and we've kind of been talking about this, but I'd love to ask you as someone who likes kind of these new things, new relationships. I do. Right? I do. Moving on to the next thing. What's some of the tension that you've felt with this in neighboring? Well, tension is a good word for it. I look back to when we first started neighboring and we had very young kids and I did not have a lot of time. And so for me, it was using our neighborhood Facebook page to kind of post on there and plan these different events. And it was exciting. It was new. And through that, God met a lot of our relational needs. Mm-hmm. He built that community, that social fabric into the neighborhood. And so we we saw neighbors connecting. We saw it kind of grow and become a thing. And we're 12 years in and our kids are getting older. And It's kind of like, I think in a sense, I've had my needs met, (laughs) (laughs) which sounds bad, but, and also just our neighbors too. It's like, okay, we are good. But the coming back and doing some of the more broad, I'm not talking about the individual relationships, like going for a walk with a neighbor, having neighbors over for dinner that have become our good friends, but the broader ways of seeking the common good, those have become challenging, I think to me, because it's like, I don't always remember, hey, there's new people who've moved into the neighborhood who've never experienced this before, and they want to be brought in. Or there's new relationships that God has for us, or circling back with people that we haven't seen in a while, that God's still at work in those ways, but it's hard for me to keep showing up, to keep serving. Yeah. And I think that's really real and very relatable. And I think that's where we can use our imaginations to kind of 
believe and have vision that God is still going to be using these sowing efforts to bring his kingdom and to connect people and hopefully draw more people to himself. I love how Jesus ends this parable where he talks about this tiny little seed being sown in a field. And when it has had time to grow, it grows into a plant-like tree that is larger than anything else in the garden. And it's so big that the birds of the air can come and make their nests in its branches. And a lot of times I think we come to these parables looking for information and there is information in them. But what I think Jesus is wanting to do is also engage our imagination, call us to imagine what could come from these little mustard seed-like steps of faith. Imagine how an introduction or a simple wave or smile could lead to a friendship, could lead to a relationship, could maybe lead to an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And I just love the description of the kingdom of God as a tree. It's a tree that birds, people, us, we can find shade and shelter and rest under. Because that's what we've experienced. We've experienced that. And just that phrase, when it has grown, you don't see that happening. Right. It's like when your kids are growing and you do those little measurements, like the ticks on the wall, or you have the buy those things on Etsy and you kind of measure them, you can't see it while it's happening. Right. Looking back, as we reflect on God's work in our neighborhood, we weren't always aware. No. Like, and then it was like, all of a sudden, there's this tree. Yeah. And we're finding shade and our neighbors are finding shade and rest in its branches. Yeah. So this week, let's use our sanctified imaginations And remember that God will use the smallest steps over time to bring his kingdom of rest and shade to our neighborhoods. Thanks for tuning in. Leave us a comment with your thoughts on today's episode or let us know other topics related to neighboring you want to talk about. Or follow the link in the show notes to share a neighboring story with us. Tell us what you're trusting God for in your neighborhood and how you're seeing God at work. You can also follow Placed for a Purpose on Instagram, and you can help others find us by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this episode with a friend.